With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner and your host, Jersey Joe and Jersey Jim. How's everybody doing tonight? We're doing good. Devils are what, five, three, and two in their last 10? Only, only lost one last game, which was depressing. I mean, it was the end of a long road trip through the West. I mean, you're not going to expect to go into Vegas and beat Vegas the way they've been playing. Um, Sharks are – that was kind of a surprise going through L.A. and maybe not winning two games because, you know, the Kings, Ducks, and Sharks all suck. But um, <laughs> the Sharks are actually playing better as of late. So, I guess – that's okay. But and maybe the a- Kings loss is kind of bad. But, you know, what can you do? It's still California. It's still a tough place to play, regardless of how bad the teams are. I mean, the league is very competitive. And on top of comp- competition, um, let's start off the podcast with the GM's meeting. So, you want to, let's start off with the offsides. You covered that recently. Tell us why this will help and hurt certain areas of the game if it passes. Well, I actually like it. Uh, this is something Pierre Maguire has been talking about for a couple of years now. So just to everybody get back into it. So 2015-16, they decided to, you know, have offside review because, you know, Matthew Shane was egregiously offside. You know, when he was playing for Colorado, he was like 10, he was at least five feet offside when he received five to 10 feet. And they counted a goal, but there was no replay. You couldn't do anything about it. But people are like, hey, wait a minute, why can't, why can't this just come from upstairs? So that opened Pandora's box to, okay, well, now we're going to, now we're going to actually follow the offside rule. So if the guy's back skate isn't down, uh, he's going to be offside. You know, if it's in the air. So now, 
all he has to do is break the plane. So in football, for instance, once the ball breaks the plane in the end zone, so once it either touches the white line or goes over or any piece of it touches that line, it's a touchdown. So All right. Now, so now, once your skate breaks the plane, the front edge of the – so if you're coming through the neutral zone, I know this is kind of hard to explain. So this is on, like the, the puck carrier has his yeah. back blade in the air touching the blue line or over the blue yeah, line. So, so your back skate, if you're in the air but your front skate is on the blue line or or – you're already in the zone, you will be deemed onside. All right, so that means, like, let's say in a preseason game, I know this probably doesn't really count, but they're testing it out, and let's put it that way. So let's say Jack Hughes is speeding up the neutral zone, and he makes a, a zone entry, offensive zone entry. His back skate and the puck cross the blue line, and his back skate is in the air. Yeah, he's on side. And on the blues. So he's he's in the clear. That's good. Right. Because well, but, but it's not just the puck carrier. Say for because there's different rules for the puck carrier when it comes to offside. Like if you go backwards through the zone and make a spinorama at the blue line or at the opposition blue line, you're and the puck's outside the zone, but you're in the zone, you're on side. But it's more has to do with like guys speeding down the wing when they like receive so say a cross size pass comes, right, in the neutral zone. And the guy can keep his momentum going. Once his whatever skate is going, he doesn't have to – his back skate can be in the air. His back skate doesn't have to be on the ice anymore. One of the things I've noticed since that uh, that slight offside rule was implemented, I've noticed guys like Kyle Palmieri, Jack Hughes have – some are, fa- are very fast guys, some are above average speed skaters, uh, tend to hug the blue line and then blitz once the puck crosses. So – yeah. I think that cheating rule, as they will play the puck, will soon be like a thing of the past. Do you think that's what they're kind of helping players understand, coaches understand, fans understand at that meeting? Well, yeah, and they also want to um, increase scoring. Obviously, obviously, everybody loves scoring. And, you know, right now coaches' challenges are down because of the penalty, but now there'll be less of them, and it's going to make the – linesman's job a lot easier than it already is because now it's like five minutes and like i've always said if you can't determine it within the first five minutes the call on the ice should stand like it it's pointless to to sit there and look for the littlest thing and wait and stop the game for 10 minutes it's either a goal it's either onside or offside. That's how I felt between watching a doubles game versus like the Rangers or in the regular season, not being a regular season, it's going to be playoff time and we're going to be watching someone, hopefully the Vancouver Canucks hold, hold a nice, uh, nice lead in the wild card. And maybe we'll see some really good shots by Quinn Hughes and maybe, well, I'm throwing out Jack Hughes' brother right there. But certainly Louis Erickson, I know that's certainly not the case that we want to be talking about. It's not being in the playoffs, but certainly want to see those teams, you know, not have to be a victim of the old offsize rule. Well, I mean, I go back to, you know, watching the Stanley Cup final in 2017 when Nashville was there in game one. Nashville took a lead one nothing, 
but Pittsburgh challenged. And just because, I mean, it was so hard to tell whether or not the guy's skate was up, part of it was down. And I think Subban was actually who scored the opening goal. And Did they wave that goal off? And they waved it off because the part of the skate was not on. It was like you, and it changed the whole dynamic of the game one in the series. And and when you change an outcome like that in a seven game series, it really nixes things. I hate to say it, but the the Penguins had enough, you know, of the the two Stanley Cups. Nothing against the Penguins. It's just that a one call like that can really. Well, I mean, and Nashville had all the momentum in that game. They were dominating. Pittsburgh looked flat. They come out with the goal. You don't know what happens. Maybe Rene actually settles into a building that he doesn't play well in. Um, just, just a lot of things. I mean, it's just pointless. Like I was watching. I think I was watching like Frozen. No, it wasn't Frozen Four. It was um, the Bean Pot. Like a, a month ago, they were looking at offside stuff, but I'm like. It was taking forever, and Billy Chappie was like in Tom Karen. Shout out to him, former uh, uh, St. Mike's alum, right there. Um, they were saying, you know, if this is going to take this long, then the colony I should just stand. I like it, like NFL. It, you know, quick and I mean, it's not quick, but if if there, I always say, if there's inconclusive evidence or indisputable evidence that the call shouldn't be overturned or should be overturned, if you can't find it, the call on the ice should remain and that's it and one of the other points is um the next subject on the meeting that they had in florida so one of the things i want to talk about was the salary cap is going up we talked about it last night in a text that pierre lebron released that the salary cap is going to go up between 84 million and 88.2 million and I don't think I don't think it's going to be as high as eighty eight. They'll probably settle probably between eighty four and a half to eighty five is what the what they are. I think the three year projection is for it to go up to eighty eight million, which is really good. Okay, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense because what I think it was EJ Heratic on NHL Network was saying that um, the the players are looking to do a one percent inflator. And let's yeah. and let's explain the inflator problem before we, we get to we, get to the other dynamics like escrow. Right. Well, the inflator is part of escrow. So if they vote to increase, you know, which is the money that's taken out of their paycheck to go towards the cap, um, which they didn't, you know, they didn't do their escalator this year, their inflator. That's why the cap was at eighty one five, and that hurt a lot of teams. But even if it goes up to 84 and a half, that's $3 million for cap strapped teams. And um, they were saying that this year has been the, since the salary, since the salary cap has come in this, this year has been the, they've seen the most teams be cap strapped. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't think they're going to put in a five, 5% inflator, which would put it up to 88 million, but they'll do a little bit, but don't forget they're negotiating a CBA too. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. I, I would say like 1%. I think I, I, don't think I, gonna go, I'm gonna, I don't think they're going to go as high as five. I think, okay, so I'm going to put it between one and two and a half percent. Yeah, that seems because it seems the way not only you're putting the context into it. So let's say um, the New Jersey Devils, we're at 81.5 million. Let's say, right. let's, I'm doing the cat friendly stuff right now. I'm calling it. 
the Jersey Joe corner off season. Right. And let's call it 84.5. Yeah, I just say 84.5. Let's leave it at 84.5 million, right? So right. this is before you re-sign any restricted free agents, right? For right. our listeners, uh, the Devils have an $84.5 million salary cap with a roster of 14 um, on cap friendly. Um, this is before we do any RFA resignings. Re- re- this is where the cap space is $28.32001 million. Yep. So that means um, whoever the interim GM or new GM will be, they'll decide those big moves. Yeah. <clears throat> so it leads me to my next part out of the meetings that do you think or will Corey Schneider be bought out? I've always had this feeling that they were going to save him until the expansion draft. But the more I think about it, I could see them <coughs> buying him out just to add cap space because, you know, you'll free yourself up of that and now you'll have more money to use to go after free agents, maybe extend Paul Mary, give him a raise. Um, you know, maybe you can actually fix the back end and fix your backup goalie problem. I mean, no disrespect to Shiner, but he's but he's playing. I mean, he is playing better since he's been called up. But it seems like he always does this this time of year, and then he, it can never translate until into the following season. I just think you know over <coughs> over the past few seasons, John Hines ran him into the ground, playing him so much. And I noticed this in Mackenzie Blackwood, although he's very young, he hasn't really felt the weight of the pressure of Elaine Nazardine over overplaying him. No, <coughs> uh, because you saw Schneider play a bunch of games in two games. I believe he played out on the West Coast. So, I mean, they split four games. So, I mean, that's not a shock. I mean, I mean Schneider played well in those in the games too. So it's not like he got shut out in one of the games. So he looked I mean, really good. I mean, he did look good. I mean, but like I said before, like he looked good at the end of last year too, and he carried it over, and then he can't stay healthy. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. <coughs> um, I mean, personally, like I said, I've always thought that they would just wait for the expansion draft the following season and just expose them because if they, if it, you know, again, and and then, and this, you know, this goes to, you know, I know we're skipping around here, but this goes to what I've been saying is what is the overall philosophy of this team? What do they want to do? Get younger, get more skill, right? Develop. But but do you want to go through a rebuild? Are you going through, um, do you want to spend to the cap? Don't you want to spend? How are you looking at your off season? Like, are you regretting certain con? Like, there it just seems that there's a million different directions that this team can go in. And from what I've understood, <coughs> trying to put the puzzle pieces together, 
is that they didn't like the fact that they brought in a ton of money that hasn't done anything. And it really hasn't worked out. And it really hasn't worked out. So are they going to try to do that again? I mean, look, you know, we've talked about it. I think getting a quality backup goalie would be good. Um, it just all depends. Like, again, the expansion draft is next year. If it was this year, you're definitely exposing Schneider. Yeah, and I think it's the next season after 2021. Right. 2021 and 2022 when you have that expansion draft. and Well, no, because don't the, Seattle comes into the league 20... 2021-2022 maybe. Right, yeah. So the expansion draft is next year. So it's next spring is the expansion draft. <clears throat> and you can bring in certain players on ELCs, but you don't want them to be exposed in that third season. Right. And risk them to be unprotected. So which means if the Devils are going to bring over any of their Russian players or they right, NCAA guys, they, they should wait another year. Right, exactly. They don't have they shouldn't have to bring like don't be surprised if guys that are on their ELC ride at, out in Binghamton throughout the rest of this year and and they don't even called up because they don't want to not they don't want to expose them if they have high hopes for them. Yeah, it's one of my philosophies is to avoid the unavoidable. I mean, avoid the avoidable, rather. I was just rethinking what I was saying. <clears throat> but, like, on the cap friendly, I actually – I'm not sure if you agree with this, but I gave Blackwood a four-year, $3.1 per million dollar deal. That's a fair deal for him. I mean, if – the cap is going up a couple million, and if you look at Jordan Bennington as a, as a barometer of last season, I mean, if you look at what Blackwood's doing, he's very close to breaking Sean Burke's record, and he's not too far off from Brodeur's record of uh, twenty seven in a rookie season. So I mean, I mean the way they've been splitting time, uh, you know. I mean, I would guess Blackwood would play tomorrow against St. Louis, but you never know. You never know if they put Schneider in. and But I don't see a guy who's kind of sort of fine laterally with his legs. And that's one of the things I'm more worried about long-term on Schneider and near-term. So that's one of the reasons why I bought him out on Cat Friendly. Um, I do want to see... Yannick Kwakon in the, the center left winger uh, that was in the Votnin trade uh, come up soon. Yeah. Because I don't see Miles Wood too, staying on the team too long. I see him getting dealt. And Tyler Kelly put out a really good chart about why he's not done so well recently. Oh, yeah? So I didn't see it. He actually has a Tableau page. So okay, I'm gonna have to check that he, out. He posted on Twitter, and I saw it last night. So, anyways, uh, what I want to tell the viewers is that if you buy out uh, Corey Schneider, you have you're only paying him two thirds of that money of six million. So, the and I gave Blackwood at three point one million dollars. You're sitting at twenty eight point three hundred twenty five million eight hundred thirty four dollars in cap space, and there's a lot of restricted free agents on the team that we could 
um, reallocate that money too. And we can uh, talk about the restricted free agents on who we both think are going to come back. So I'm going to put this one guy. Uh, you tell me what you think and what you would value him. Uh, Joseph Anderson or Joey Anderson. I mean, probably. Right. I mean, what's he make it? What's his ELC? He has, he's a restricted free agent coming up. He's a $925,000 cap hit. So probably I would just bump him up like 1.1, 1.2 million a season. All right. 1.1 million it is. It's kind of like a game show. You're doing well. How many, what, what term are you going to give him? Um, maybe like two year bridge deal. I like that. I was gonna say one, but two sounds good, especially. I mean, I like the way I like the way he's been playing. So, give him a shot. Why not? Give him a shot. Uh, Jasper Bratt. He's seven hundred forty nine thousand one hundred sixty seven dollars. Just call him his last year's his ELC. Thirty one points in fifty seven games. Been hurt a little bit, up and down. Top nine, top six. Uh, 21 years old. Tough. I mean, you could, I mean, you could bump him to 925, maybe give him 950? 975. 975. There we go. And then maybe some bonus money. For... Well, the bonus money part we can't really do on. Cat friendly, but that'll be. I mean, back door. But just say like another like twenty five grand to give him a million for hitting. I don't know goals or some shit. <laughs> goals and some stuff. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know how they, you know how they, they, they add it in somewhere. Bonus stuff. You know they, you know they, they say like assists or goals or points or whatever or whatever benchmark. Exactly. Um, I'm thinking about at least two years for Jesper. Um, I can see that. All right. We agree on two years. I mean, I know Shiro would always buy out the guy on not exactly buying out a contract. I mean, buying up the, the term and years of the peak of value for that player. Um, the next player is John Hayden. Um, let him go. Yeah, bye bye, Birdie. Just let just just let just let him walk away. Um, Josh Jacobs. I th- I mean, really not really not sure with him because he's he's come up, he's played okay. Um, I've only had he's only I've only seen him in a couple of games. Like these defenses, like so makeshift right now that I mean, I would keep him around. Seven hundred fifty thousand one year. Yeah, it works. I mean, it, it, he's not going to cost you a lot. We don't know exactly nah. what he is potentially. He's been marinating since Lou left and Ray left over. So we're not exactly sure uh, where, to, where to go from there. Okay, from the Taylor Hall trade, Nick Merkley. What's he making now? $925,000. He's a right shot. He's a center. He's 22 years old. And he's an RFA. Yep. You own his rights now. And one million nine hundred seventy-five thousand. 
I give them. I give them. They're probably gonna give them like one point four, but I give them like one one point one if it was me. I'm on the same page, actually. Like, you gotta pay him over a million dollars. Yeah, or else he's gonna want to go. Right. I mean, and um, you can afford it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like you can't afford it. Like I said, they're probably gonna pay him one point four, <coughs> but. I would pay him one point one. But I think, yeah, it, you got to keep him at least. Uh, well, term wise, I'm thinking one year. I'm thinking at least two years because you traded for him and he's in your system, and he actually looked pretty good. And he, and he's looked good. I mean, you know, it's not his fault that you know he got hurt, but I mean, he looked good down in the A. He's looked good here. I didn't even know. I didn't even look at the practice lines for stuff today. happens. I mean. I if I'm given a two year bridge deal, at, you better perform or you're out. Yeah, at least yeah. I I'm thinking maybe two, but I like one to to be safe. I think I think I think they'll give them two to be honest. Yeah, I'm in that range where at least if you have one year of him left, you can always move them. Yeah, so. I'm okay with that. Uh, Mirko Mueller, I think we've had some displeasure, but he's kind of improved since Wait. the last ten games or something like that. I'm still, I still don't want him on my team. Yeah, I, I still don't see him. Like, there's such a logjam with the next batch of defensemen, and I know I sent you a list. Um, you probably have it right now on your phone. Um, yeah, Brett. I'd have to pull it up. Uh, Brett Cini, uh, keep him, side him, dump him. Um, two way deal. Yeah, well, we can't exactly do two way deals on Cap Friendly. Cap Friendly, if you're listening, uh, please add this in. Um, I would say. Uh, One or two years. What is he making? What is he making now? Seven hundred fifty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. Give him a raise. Give him a raise to nine twenty-five. That's fair. I mean, he's made a few appearances and he's looked good. And you got to keep depth players around for your farm system. And he's and he's played well. And Andy, Andy can do well in in Binghamton too. So, and if yeah. if he needs to be called up, bring him up. Um, at okay. least two years. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, two years is good. Two years is long enough for a death guy. Um, Colton White, I mean, he's only making $717,500. I did like what I saw in preseason and before he got sent back down. Um, I'm thinking about eight hundred fifty grand at least. That works, yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what the league minimum is going to be, but it's going to... They'll probably get over the league, man. Yeah, so it might be a little over 950, maybe, 925. Yeah, I'll get close to it. 925, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get them right over there. One or two years? Uh, One year. One year? All right. He's on the books. So we have 21 players. We got Gusev on the left wing. We got Miles Wood on the left wing. Jesper Bratt 
on the left. And that, and that doesn't include whoever we, they decide to sign in the offseason. Yeah, we haven't gotten to the offseason stuff yet. Um, we'll get there. Not tonight, but we'll get no, there. No, but I was just putting down uh, the centers. We have Nico Heischer all locked up. Hughes for the next two years. Zajac for one year. Zaka for two years. He's RFA. Um, McLeod uh, will have one year left. Nick Merkley. Then we have Sini. Then on the right wing, we have Kyle Palmieri, Jesper Bokvist, um, Joey Anderson. Um, goaltending, Mackenzie Blackwood. And defense, we have Subban, Butcher, Smith, Severson, Carrick, Jacobs, and White for the time being. So um, that'll be for another day. But um, anyways. Speaking of, speaking of Butcher, a good segue there. Because it was announced today that he's done for the rest of the year. He had surgery on his uh, ligament in his thumb. And will need a three to four month recovery time. So that puts him in jeopardy for not playing the rest of the year. And he'll be ready again for preseason time. And so when it comes to the preseason Let's let's talk about the Elliot Friedman thing about the GM oh, yeah. search. Uh, it was number seven and eight you sent me, and I want you to read that. Okay, so let me pull this up because I was actually having a conversation from a guy from Canada today on my uh, Twitter about this post. So Elliot Friedman yesterday, thirty-one thoughts. In most situations. Tom Fitzgerald's deadline work in New Jersey would earn him the permanent GM job. This is not most situations, and he put most situations in quotes. Fitzgerald's been told he's a legitimate contender, but the Devils will go through their search. Most interesting early development. I heard one individual was told he doesn't have the skill set. The organization, and he put doesn't have the skill set in quotes. The organization is looking for with that in mind, it's not a surprise that former GM Mike Gill- Vancouver Canucks GM Mike Gillis was among the first interviewees, if not the first. New Jersey is only talking to untethered candidates until those under contract are available later. If Fitzgerald isn't the choice long-term in Newark, he will be a serious candidate for other openings. So there's a lot to digest there. Um, I think Fitzgerald has done a great job since taking over for, as a general manager for Ray Shiro. Now, this goes back to the whole, again, philosophy of what they, the Devils are looking to do. They've, owners, ownership has clearly stated that they don't want to go through another rebuild. However, you did trade away some pieces that says, oh, we're kind of doing a rebuild. But we don't want to trust the process because we have believe we have a team that can go for a win now. Right. I the, the way the whole thing is, they're doing it is completely backwards. <clears throat> Personally, as much as you know, Devils fans don't like Rangers fans. The one thing I will say about what the Rangers did, at least they came out and said it. They sent a letter, said this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it. And it may take us a year or two to get there, but that's what we're—that's our plan of action. Like for instance, 
I know I was I was shocked that day. I was actually going to a Devils game that that day on the train, and I just was like, I couldn't believe it. Um, what I believe now from that kind of, I wouldn't call it scorched earth. I would call it complete deforestation and reseeding. And I see the past few players the Devils traded away as a, as a replanning of you know, seeds that will grow and build this team for the near and the long term. And we're starting to see things sprout up. And I know Jack Hughes has been scoring a little bit more lately, and that's a really good sign, especially playing on that first line. He's gaining, you know, he's gaining minutes with Nico. But at the same time, he needs to be on his own line where he can dictate play and learn how to make, you know, plays by himself as a center with his neighboring wingers. So well, I never I didn't I don't agree with it and I didn't like the move to the wing. I thought it was a dumb decision. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the only one. So you can I, and I, you know, we we even though we work for Puck Authority and um last and, word on Puck uh, I advise you to go read Alex Chonacy's, um piece about intimately disagreeing with Hughes' move to the wing. I believe I so, read that article a few days read back. Um, I do want to bring him on because Alex do- actually does speak a lot of sense. And to me, Jack Hughes is not a left winger. He's a center. He knows how to win face-offs. He's, he's building his strength in his upper body, surely and steadily. And they did talk about that, you know, being one of the things he needs to do is, you know, work in the. All right. So before we were. So before we were cut off. Right. uh, I was saying, um, even though, you know, we broke, one of us works for Puck Authority. One of us works for. um, Last Last word. Puck. I advise you to read Alex Chauncey's piece on Hockey Writers about his disapprovement of why Nico, uh, Jack Hughes shouldn't have been on a wing. Really good. Um, so, yeah, I actually pulled it up now so that way um, he talks about Hughes' struggles as a left winger. So he basically writes in the first portion goes. Uh, the idea of moving Hughes to left wing with Heischer and Paul Mary isn't without merit. They're two of the Devils' best two-way forwards, and he could learn some good habits from playing with both of them. They also have the scoring touch that could help him start picking up some points. And then he goes, but so far that hasn't been the case since uh, the f- first game at left wing on February 18th. That's two days removed from the Andy Green and uh, – Coleman trades. Hughes has one assist in eight games and has fired only 12 shots on goal. As a line, Hughes, Heischer, and Paul Mary have struggled mightily on five of five. Um, at that, the Corsi share, the Corsi four, which is puck possession numbers, so our listeners, it's under 50%, which it's at 42.24 percent which is an expected goals that they thought would be 
ended up being 45.39 in the 89 minutes together. So that's like, uh, that's like two periods plus another nine minutes where that line wasn't very productive for Jack. So this is why I said before we broke up that having Jack Hughes being back at center on a second line would do him wonders. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he needs to be, he needs to learn to play his natural position. Um, I understand maybe at some point you, you, you want to throw him up there, fine. But that's when he has more confidence in his ability and stuff. Because right now, he just looks lost out there. And he's not a winger. You can tell he's a center. And you let him play center. Exactly. Like, when I looked at him on his draft year and his videos, I knew that when he plays as a center and he gets to make the plays and he gets to think it, really quick he knows he's so confident and he can control the speed of the game he can dictate where he wants to be he can shoot the puck he can pass the puck to whoever and he knows how to quarterback a play it's just that John Hines and Elaine Nazarene have underestimated his natural ability as a center and instead of putting him on the top two they put him on the bottom six, and I disagree with that, and I do not see Travis Zajac as a top six center anymore. No no offense to Zajac, but his days as a top six center are over. Well, I mean, yeah, and don't forget, they were rolling um, with Coleman, Gusev, and Zajac. The, that combination couldn't do any wrong, so – now, since the band isn't together, just let Hughes play the rest of the year at second line center. Like, there, what's the problem with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, Zajac's not a, a second line center anymore. Yeah, I just, I don't see Zajac, you know, I, I know he's an older guy, you know. He's definitely slowed down a bit by a few extra seconds, which is a lot in today's game. Um, I want to touch on the uh, the points right now. So Jack Hughes has 21 points in 58 games. That's actually not bad for a young guy. I no, mean, it's not. I mean, it's it's outstanding for a kid who came out of the USHL. Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, it's it's unbelievable for um for what he's doing, but again, I have said it and I'll continue to say it. <coughs> People can say I'm wrong and whatever, but to this day, I still believe that if he went and played in the World Juniors, he would have been a better he would have been better off for it and everybody talks about confidence and this and that I don't care who you are if you're a goal scorer you want to score goals and if you don't have confidence the rest of your team the rest of your game isn't good and I don't want to say Jackson proving this and that he wants to score goals that's what he is 
And I know he's looked good here and there. But he needs to develop more. And I thought that would that was the right call. And to hold him back. I mean, the Devils, and in December, the Devils weren't going anywhere anyway. So what was the harm to let him go play for a week someplace? I just think at that time when you go when you had that problem with Ray Shiro going, you know, eventually, you know, he and Tommy didn't see him being part of Team USA, and Jack didn't even know that was even a thing. So it goes to show that the two guys that were up at the helm thought extra highly of Jack, but uh, I would have to put it on Coach Hines where, you know, he didn't give him enough confidence in not being a top six center rather than playing on a third or fourth line. And when I was at the first game versus Winnipeg, I still couldn't believe that they put him and Gusev on the bottom six, which well, just stupid. I mean, it's just beyond comprehension. I mean, look, we all knew it at the time that, you know, it's like our wisest kid playing third line minutes. Like, you drafted a number one overall for a reason. Like, you needed to, he needed to play. Like, <coughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sort of hockey sense at all. Not even one bit. I mean, we as writers, contributors, we watch these Devils games very closely, whether it's been a great last 10 games or it's been a terrible first half of the season. We like to look at the small intangibles. You and I know that, you know, whether it's Jack Hughes playing with, you know, let's say a Jesper Bofist or maybe playing with his old guy, Wayne Simmons, we kind of get a feeling after a while there are certain parts that don't work. And I believe when he gets his new line mates for the next season and he gets bigger in the offseason and the upper body, he'll be a lot harder to knock off the puck. Like, look at Jesper Bratt, right? I talked about him a couple times in a couple other episodes. Adding that extra three pounds to six pounds is a lot in, the, in today's game. It is. It definitely is. I mean, you can see it with Nico this year. I mean, prime example, kid, you know, I mean, he looked good his first couple seasons in the league, two seasons or so, but you can see now with his man weight, he's, you know, he's a physical presence out there. He's hard on the puck. Like, he, he's not losing the puck as much and, you know, <coughs> playing well. And another thing, I mean, it, it's not Jack Hughes, but I noticed Nikita Gusev's gotten a lot better with the puck handling and he's not as easy to knock out of the puck as he was early in the season. He's not, you know, butterfingering it, you know, where no. you touch it, then it jumps off you. No, he's not, but it's also to a point where, you know, the devils are, the devils are trying things out. And I like what Gusev is bringing to the lineup and, um, you know, like you said, over the last ten games, they look, you know, they look better. Have they looked great? No, but no, they're looking very solid as of late right. for a team that's playing spoiler. And this is very good 
considering the February 18th trades, no, February 16th trades, sorry, but um, with guys like Nolan Foote coming in, you know, I want to touch on him for a little bit because he's one of those guys with that nice, heavy shot. He could be like a James Van Riemsdyk as a power forward, big guy, smart. Except everybody hates James Van Riemsdyk. Even the Flyers fans don't like him, yet the guy puts 25 goals, 25 assists up every year. You know what? I love James Van James Van. Riemsdyk. I don't mind J- JVR, but his game isn't foot. He, he's not a speed guy. He's a physical guy. He's a physical, heavy hockey guy. That's but his, that's he, but his, his shot, his shot, his release is really good. That, but that's been his game. That's always been his game. He's never been a guy that can has breakaway speed. He gets all his goals in front of the net. But having Nolan Foot, having that extra speed, and Julie Rosenheimer put it out there, he has a motor. And that is great because that is an update from James Van Riemsdyk as a 2.0 with a heavy shot. And how could you not love a guy with speed and a nice sneaky shot? And even Hockey Canada talked about it on YouTube. And for me, hearing them talk about that on the national level for them is very important, you know, especially when you're scouting a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I like – I can't wait to see Nolan Foot in the rookie – at the rookie camp this year. I, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. Like, I, <coughs> I saw him at the juniors. I look – I like his look. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do. Uh, but you know, he's one of those guys that he's gonna be able to make some noise and uh, look out. To be honest, I think he—I mean, he may have a chance to make the team, but uh, I see him going back down to you know uh, Binghamton to start the year. Yeah, we're back. So, anyways, I was talking about Tyce Thompson. So, our buddy Chris Wassel talked about him on Dauber Prospects. And he's been a a great gem in the late rounds for the Devils from last year's draft. And he's been one of those really good centers that he projects to see on a first line. So, I mean, what do you think of a kid like him, though, going into the rookie camp? I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be showing off what he's got. He's gonna show he's gonna show to the team why they drafted him, and you know, there's gonna be a lot of guys there. You know, the kid from Penn State will be there. The Finn. Um, oh, you're gonna have Kokonen, who's who's I would consider him a rookie, but he'll probably. I, He'd probably come, um, but I was thinking about the other kid uh, who's already Telvedia. Yeah, it would be from Penn State. Yeah, so I mean, that kid, I mean, he's pretty solid. So, um, 
you know, guys are going to be battling for spots. Um, they're probably going to bring a handful of guys back for training camp. But, you know, it's just, you know, a couple of days. These guys are just going to be on the ice and, you know, showing coaching staff. And, you know, not to mention the guys that they draft this year. And so it'll be it'll be just a fun camp. Um, do I think he's going to have a shot to make the team? Probably not, but he'll get a look. I think, I think considering, you know, that we're going to have him possibly go into his junior year and, let him know that, you know, they'll give him an entry-level contract to sign. That way he doesn't, you know, go, you know, unsigned into free agency in the fourth year. But I do like the fact that you got Kevin Ball, you have Nikita Ohotyuk, these – and Daniel Misuel. I'm Let's not forget Misuel because – Miss Yule is a KHL kid, and I when I watch him versus Canada and the U.S. and a couple of other teams um, in the juniors, he really, really skates like Scott Niedermeyer, just like effortlessly. And he also can score, and that kid absolutely is dynamite on defense and he and he can take away bodies and he can hit and another name to look out for is Arseny Gritsyuk. So he's he's a he's a smaller guy but he certainly looks like he can be a good late round steal. Yeah and <clears throat> you know these guys are you know there's it's called developmental camp for a reason rookie camp for a reason um you see what you have and you move on and um you know i think mikey mcleod has come a long way from his developmental camp and stuff um but you know a lot of guys you named you mentioned are probably not on everybody's radar and they'll get a first-hand look at them um and they'll be like oh they're impressed with this guy or that guy but again they're playing against each other um you know, then they'll be playing against the teams, you know, at the prospects challenge again. So, you see, you get a first-hand look at what they really can do against NHL players um, from other teams. Another kid to look out for, I would recommend Kitchener Rangers uh, defenseman, uh, Michael Vukojevic. He's a left shot. He's 18 years old, uh, six foot three, 210 pounds. Uh, for those of you that use the uh, the non-U.S. metric one, it is 191 centimeters and 95 kilograms for Michael Vukovic. Uh, he's from Oakville, Ontario. He's He's got four goals and 25 assists this year. And he does get a lot of penalty minutes because he is, like I said, he's a very physical guy. But he's a plus sixteen, and last year he was a plus three in his draft year. I mean, that's good. Um, that's real good, actually, for a kid. So, you know, if you're always on that plus side of things, that's 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 a good thing. It means he knows. I mean, we don't always trust the plus minus thing. It's usually a a line combination thing. But um, that's one of the things I was looking at. And Kevin Ball, I was looking at the other day, has about. I think 24 assists or something like that. And he's such a really tall guy 
but he skates very well with the puck. And I, I like him so much from that trade that I began doing re- more research on him. And I can't believe so many people dislike a guy like him. It's just weird. Like, I know we traded Taylor Hall, but we got a good haul in return. Look, I mean, he's, you, you're finally seeing the guys starting to perform. Um, you know, Kevin Ball, we, everybody saw him at juniors. I mean, he's putting up points now. You know, him and Ty Smith, they're young. They're left-handed. They're left-handed, but the, <coughs> they'll be okay. They have guys coming, and Ball's a big dude. Like, he, it's it, it's not – you're not like, – like, say they waited to trade Taylor Hall to the deadline, right? Who knows what they would have got for him? Who knows if they would have got a King's Ransom or they would have got little to something. Right. <clears throat> and I'm actually looking at Ball's um, stats from the past few seasons and this season in the OHL. In his first year, he only had a – one goal and three assists, and he was a minus 14 in his first year in 57 games. In his next year, he had a minus 21, although he did gain more penalty minutes at 76 versus 53. He also gained 18 points and 17 assists and a goal. In his third season, his draft year, if I am correct – which was 2018, um, yeah. he got 28 assists, 34 points. Actually, his draft year was 2018. Uh, he got 87 penalty minutes, but he became a plus 50. So he also was in the playoffs. In his third playoff season, he actually played in 15 games versus six and five games. Uh, he got a goal and 10 assists. And he got eight penalty minutes. So, what does that show you in his third season? He's improving. He knows how to be physical. He knows how to contain himself. And that's the one thing the Devils' defense has been missing is physicality. They don't move the body. They don't move guys in front of the net. That's why they've been drafting it. Right. And that's why they traded for it. And another thing is, this season – 23 assists, six goals again. That's 29 points. He could break that in a heartbeat if if he's at that pace. And he's already played 51 games. And guess what his plus minus, his plus minus is? 36. That's good. And. Yo, clubhouse leader, baby. I mean, look at this. He's basically – his stock has risen the past two seasons versus the first two. And this this, (coughs) – I I can't wait to see this kid in preseason if if this coronavirus thing goes away. So – Don't get me started on that, please. Nah, it's just – if they didn't bring that up at the GM's meetings, I wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I wrote a piece in my rumors thing about – about the coronavirus. Whoa, that was dangerous. What are you, uh, what are you watching there? Um, Caps and Rangers right now. <coughs> what happened on that play? So, um, Samsonov came out of the net, and 
he mishandled the puck, and the Ranger guy had, like, an open net almost to shoot at, and they sent it across the crease, and he almost banked it off Samsonov and in. Ooh, that would have stunk. That would have been a Steve Dangle dang it. Yeah. Uh, Kovalchuk scored in this game, by the way. Oh, did he score a goal? Yeah, he did. Okay, so that's one thing uh, for former Devil. He got a goal in his first well, of many appearances with the Capitals. I think this might actually be his first goal as a Capital. <laughs> From what I was reading, that he hadn't scored a goal. He he liked his line mates. Oh, Panarin. Oh, he had an open net. Oh, Bro, he, I mean, he, he, he stole cer- it from him. He cer- he's certainly not catching Pasternak. No, but, like, Samsonov was trying to play it around, and he tried to play it, and then Panarin, like, came up behind him and stole it, and then tried to go, like, quick wrap around and, like, just threw it <coughs> through the middle of the crease. Quick segue. Since we just mentioned the Rangers on that one, uh, the Devils have the Rangers. Henrik Saturday. Henrik Lundqvist has not played since. He's not playing. He's not playing Saturday. He, Lundqvist is not playing. He hadn't played since that Philly game. Right, and then before that, he hadn't <coughs> played like since the beginning of February or late January. And it was funny because I was at the I was at the Ranger Flyer game uh, last Friday, and we were talking the stands. It was going to be like, oh, why, why is um, you know, how come Georgia is going back to back? Um, surprised Lundqvist not here, and they're like. I was like, well, cause, because they're just riding Georgiev until <coughs> Shister get back. Because they have no faith in him. Like, And you s- clearly, I mean, the result, even if Lundqvist had played on Friday, the Flyers were still going to win. But the game might have been different on Sunday if Georgiev was playing against the Flyers. If Georgiev is going to play and play, it sounds like Shisterkin will be the guy the Devils play against at the Garden. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, he's still day to day. He did practice today, Shesterkin. So, um, maybe. Um, it all depends on how he feels. Not to sound like um, a not to sound like a homer, but it might be the one game that the Rangers could play Longfist. Well, but they could, but I don't think they have any faith left in him. I don't think I, I I'm I'm really shocked that he didn't get traded at the deadline. To be honest, uh, they probably will revisit in the summer because I don't see them trading Georgiev or Shesterkin. I don't think they should. Um, to be honest, I think it would be bad optics but, on their part. Well, yeah, it would be, and I think I personally would rather. I think Hank would rather retire than. Then go someplace else, but I do think he, he has a shot to win a cup. I think he he should. I think he should go to another team in the NHL and get a Stanley Cup chance. And I mean, Colorado made the most sense. They certainly did, and and they had the cap space to bring on his contract, which would have been picture perfect. But at the same time, going to the Devils at Rangers game on TV, you know. I want to think about this for a moment. So the Devils don't have the green or Coleman type players, but the defense looked pretty good as of late, minus the three goals. <coughs> that yeah, they I, mean, I thought I thought they were pretty good against uh, Vegas. Like I said, I thought I didn't think they were going to beat Vegas in Vegas. Um, but they put, but they still like. 
They didn't look flat. They played well. It's not like they, get, they didn't get blown out. They only lost 3 nothing. I mean, when you hold a team like the Vegas Golden Knights to only three goals in their own building, you that's actually an improvement, not that's that's a, that's a saying something. And I mean, you know, I think I, I think the Devils actually have a winning record against Vegas or something like that, or they're five hundred. Some it, it's some crazy. Around, <coughs> the round <coughs> the round NHL five hundred when all right, it comes to them. All right, Dave Meltzer. All right, Dave Meltzer, with your cough. All right, well, the I've been draining it out. So, no, I know. No, I'm just trying to bust you. I'm just trying to bust you, Joe. Because there's a re- I, I listened to a Wrestling Observer Radio, and Dave Meltzer's had this cough for like it feels like three months, and every time he speaks, he's like, <coughs> I'm like, yeah. bro, like, he, like take some time off. But yeah, no, I mean Vegas is a good team. I mean, but like you said, <laughs> holding the three goals. I mean, the Devils' power play just didn't click that night. I mean, nothing. I mean, Pavel Zaka scored two goals. In the Anaheim game, and you know what? A lot of people, even myself over the years, kind of felt down on him, but it looks like he's starting to turn into something. Like, you could trade him, or you could keep him. And I think if you really like him enough to keep him, you just hold on to him on the third line. And who knows if Travis Zajac retires. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the one guy I feel real bad for right now is um, is Sammy Votnin. Um, you know, Devils traded him away. Obviously, he was injured. He went to Carolina. We we did we discussed that in detail. But he had a setback today, um, with his injury. Uh, so his there he I guess he's his debut is gonna be <coughs> a lot longer than expected. Uh, they said that he came off the ice early. And it's not good, and we're hoping to get mm. him closer to playing, but it looks like further away. So something must have happened um, in practice today. Uh, so I feel bad for him. I mean, I mean, he's still a good defenseman. That's the thing; like he really is. But it just stinks. Like, and I was really surprised that I'm. To be honest, <coughs> like I'm really surprised. Team and I think that's why teams weren't trading with him because they weren't they weren't sure how long the injury was going to be. Right, they like how long he was going to be out. And I think it was the right return because you know you couldn't really get much for a guy who's pretty much damaged goods at that point. And right, you know you're kind of playing devil's advocate, no pun intended, but you you got to be smart when when you're dealing assets like that at, at a deadline. So I wanted to think about, you know, we talk about defense. I mean, we have, <coughs> sorry, Damon, C- oh, okay. Damon Severson. And he's actually not that bad. I mean, he's starting to look a lot better the past few seasons. I mean, he's still scoring a lot of assists, but he still has a really good shot on net to score some timely goals. Yeah, I mean, I like what Severson brings to the table. I mean, some people may not be as high on him as I am, but you need to keep somebody around. It's not like you can revamp that entire defense. You need somebody there. You've got the most NHL experience out of everybody besides Subban. Um, and he's going to come into his own. So he's He's got the untapped potential where 
he's learning and learning. And there's a lot of time you got to take with defensemen, unless you're really, really good. And exactly. And I mean, guys aren't going to, I mean, I think Severson will get better next year. And so like, I talk about people that I think that are NHL ready, um, kind of plug in my own uh, article. You know, I talked about Ty Smith, you know, being the most ready. I mean, what makes him NHL ready is that he's been on several international stage games. He's looked very good with his top pairing. Uh, He knows what it takes in the preseason where he can make the plays and he start and from what I heard on the Devils in the Details podcast that he's gotten a lot more physical and coming into his own that way, which helps his two way game. And he's not just an offensive defenseman anymore. So when you put him on a- on a top pairing line, he can be more productive. And. And there's a lot to look forward to with Smith. I mean, yeah, everybody was criticizing that, you know, he didn't have the best camp and this and that. All right, well, next year he's going to come in and prove everybody that he can play in the NHL and he's going to be ready to play in the NHL. So, uh, again, as we, as you and I have talked about, to, you know, bring back some common sense to the, to the rest of the world, it's not like the Devils are in a bad shape. They really aren't. They actually have good young pieces, especially on that blue line. So, I, I just don't know what all the claim is about. I, if your expectations are set too high, that's your problem. I think when the Dells bring in the next GM or the interim GM tag comes off, I s- still see the GM looking at all the prospects that the Dells have currently and – weighed against the restricted free agents. And you look at your guys that you have the RFAs that we talked about earlier in the show. Um, I do see that being a factor in what possible trades could occur and what signings occur. And who, and who knows if the devils go across the pond and make a signing before looking at the NHL level to see if there's any NHL level talent abroad again. So um, I want to think about that for a moment. Do you have any idea what that could be? Who uh, who they could go after? The, like, for instance, you know, I know Nikita Gusev wasn't a free agent, but you traded for a guy who is NHL level but was across the pond in Russia. I mean, you know, the name I keep hearing is Shipachov. Yeah. Vadim Shipachov. I mean, what was he? He was a Vegas guy, and then he went back because he didn't like what was going on. Yeah, it's not like he doesn't play well. It's the culture. And also, having... I mean, look at Radulov. Radulov had to mature, and then he came back. I mean, if anything, go to Montreal Canadian style and just give him one-year deal. And if he produces, fine. And if he doesn't, all right, it's only one-year deal. And I like that one-year deal stuff because it, it's that make-or-break contract. I mean, he's only, what, 32 years old? But, I mean, he's still a young guy. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, he's an 87 birthday. Six-foot-one setter. 
So, I mean, the problem is there really hasn't been a lot of talk. And, like, now, like, with the whole coronavirus thing, like, that was brought up at the meetings because, you know, a lot of places have been canceling events like WIHF, you know, canceled some smaller tier tournaments. But they do plan to hold, as of right now, everything else. Um, and so you're, you're going to wonder if I know a lot of teams have been telling scouts not to go over right now just because of um, concerns. Um, so, I mean, it, the problem is you're not really going to know because players aren't are, – or scouts and really guys aren't really going over there to scout right now because of just some concerns. Yeah, you just never know. And, like, like – <coughs> sorry, just – Getting over a cold and it's just it's been going on for a while, kind of like the your guy you're talking about earlier. But yeah, uh, Shibachov yeah, yeah. is an interesting player. So he's got he's he's got a uh, what was it a one time world championship gold medal, um, his one time Olympic gold medal, a silver yeah uh, world champion silver medal, and two bronze world championship medals. And two-time KHL Gagarin Cup champion, so he's yeah. he's a very well-proven player. He knows how to win. Well, that's what I say. You give him a <coughs> one-year deal, you know. Oh, and a guy that you know was played at the pro level. Yeah, it's Russia. It's not the NHL, but still, it's one of the top leagues outside of the NHL. So I mean. Yeah, you can you can see if it works. I mean, and he's been in the NHL before. It's not like he doesn't know what the NHL game is. Well, he did um, have a goal in his only three games. So, so yeah. So I mean, it's not like he doesn't know what the game is about. So, um, yeah, that's who I would do. If, um, that's me. Though. If if you're looking at it from uh, a certain perspective. Um, having a guy like Gusev, having Sergey Breland in the organization, having Igor Sharangovich, who's a Belarusian, having kids like uh, Nikita Ohotyuk, Daniel Misul, uh, just to name a few guys uh, who are probably going to be over. You know, these guys are all Russian speakers, and it would be perfect for a guy like Shipachov to converse in both Russian and English and of course um, Ju- not Julie Robenheyer but Erica Wachter was talking about how um, what was it it was Ohotyuk's teammate who got drafted Mitchell Holsher would take him in on car rides and they would listen to songs in English all right, so, I mean, that's how you learn the language there. And so you, you learn to sing beats, and then you start to learn those words, and you start to put those words on Google Translate, and you start to learn the understanding. Then you learn to use it for hockey. So kind of helps you understand the culture more. So, <coughs> And English yeah. is not an easy language if you're a Russian speaker. It's not a ling- it's not an easy language if you're American. Just FYI. FYI, uh, for anyone that's whether you're from the Northeast or you're from the South or or the Midwest, you know, you I, I can understand Joey Anderson very well with a Minnesota accent. Reminds me a bit of a slower, easier upstate New York accent. Yeah, 
That that's solid. Yeah, I mean Joey Anderson's pretty solid to remember. So, um. but anyways, I mean we're talking about culture changes and stuff like that. So that's what you know, rookie—not just rookie camp, but death camp—can be about sometimes. Yeah, um, but you know, it—you know, like we said, the Devils are in good shape um, going forward. Um, it's not like they're not. Uh, they got a nice couple young pieces in their system. They really have a lot. And, and you know, we forgot to mention that, you know, Jesper Bokas has been back um, with the team. Though, uh, I'm not sure the timing of it. I personally would have liked them to just stay down there. I mean, I know they needed an extra body because they were playing three and four days. But I honestly say keep him down there until he's ready. I, exactly. I see him playing top six minutes. On this team, to me, he's a very valuable player. If there's one guy that I think that will fine-tune his game as a coach, uh, Ricard Grunberg, who's the Swede, who coaches at the NLA, which is the high Swiss league, where former devil David Bruder now sits in the Swiss league. But having Grunberg as the uh, Zurich Lions head coach, he knows how to win games and play a hybrid game. Yeah. And that's what you, that's what you need to learn. You need to learn that hybrid style, the mix between, you know, European European and North American. Yeah. And North American is the golden standard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it makes me think, you know, if you hire Grunberg after you get a, a new GM, I believe it it gets the idea of a possible looking at the mock draft. I do think Alex Holtz or Lucas Raymond are both really good ideas. And uh, Steve Cordiatos uh, talked about Alex Holtz as a possible pick for the New Jersey Devils at six. Yeah, I mean, I like what he did in <coughs> What's that? I said I like what he did in the World Juniors. Him and Ray, Lucas Raymond played really well for Sweden. For for me, <coughs> pardon. Um, Holes is a really good shooter, and he and Raymond playing together, they connect very well. And Holtz is a finisher, and that's the one thing that the Devils don't have enough of: are finishers and guys that no. shoot. No, they don't have enough finishers. They really don't. They really don't have enough finishers. Um, Jack will get there. He'll eventually get there, but he's more of a playmaker. Paul Mary's a finisher. Um, Gusev can be a finisher, but, again, he's another playmaker. Um, he can be both. I mean, he can be both. Um, <coughs> but, again... We got to see what these guys can do. Yeah, so Holtz plays for Jurgardens in uh, the Swedish Hockey League, which is a men's league, by the way. So when we're talking about, oh, this guy is a uh, plays in a men's league or is, or is built, I mean, look at that, Holtz. That's the, that's the first thing I think of. You know, he's certainly, like, 
He could play both wings, but he's a right-handed shot. And January just turned 18, so he's still a young 18 kid. So um, he's 183 pounds for a kid who's six foot. He's six feet tall, actually. I mean, Casario's body mass index, that's actually a, a pretty good uh, ratio. That is good. And so, according to the draft rankings on Elite Prospects, uh, HockeyProspect.com lists him at number nine, and a couple other places put him at number five. And he does have a World Junior uh, 18 gold. He has a World Junior 20 uh, bronze. And this is written by... Uh, elite prospects in 2018, an offensively very skilled player. Holtz is a true goal scorer with an impressive wrist shot and a slapper. Has ability to know exactly where to be on the ice to make things happen. Also a smart player with good on ice vision and fine technical skills. Not a poor playmaker either. As he sees openings well and sets up his teammates. Although he prefers to finish the play himself, uh, capable skater, although his acceleration could be better. Written in 2018 by Elite Prospects. That That's a really good review. So there are two quotes. First quote, quick hands in tight, amazing release, can subtly change the angle, has hockey sense and offensive instincts to quickly recognize openings drafted Europe uh, 2018 uh, then there's a, another one uh, I would describe myself as a te- as a technically skilled sniper who can also see openings to make good plays Alexander Holtz in 2017 so you know I mean, I would love to have Holtz on the team. I was really impressed with what he did at the World Juniors. I really was. I really liked Holtz. And I do think he's NHL ready. Oh, I said why. Absolutely. 100%. I was talking with someone on Snapchat about if the Devils had a pick in the draft today, I was saying, you know, I do like Holtz. And I do think he's NHL ready, but also if we jumped up to number two, you get Quentin Byfield or you get Tim Stutzla. They're they're also uh, NHL ready, considering Stutzla is a more of a Patrick Kane playmaker type in the German Elite League, the the Deutsche Elite League, the DEL for some people, yeah. for short. And so it seems like with the way the draft rankings are looking. It depends on what Quinton Byfield is doing at number two. That might slip someone up and might slip someone down. And you never know. The Devils may not use a first round next year. They could use that third pick to get a second rounder and a third rounder if no one wants to part with a top six forward or a – top pairing defenseman. Yeah. So don't be upset if whoever makes that deal uh, uses it 
to but, make that. But the deal. thing is, they gotta have a GM in place in time for the draft, and that's the key. You know what? When I put out the tweet earlier, um, that's what I was basing. You know, actually, I put on <coughs> Reddit, and I said, you know, barring between the off season and you know, off season be meaning April, and then you have before the draft lottery, you need to have a GM by then. Oh, absolutely, you do. And I'm sure that our source is listening to whoever comes in, and I do think that it's likely going to be Tommy Fitzgerald, no doubt. Um, if I'm hiring, I I do see him as the top candidate. So do I. Um, I like him. I mean, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys didn't think Gillis would be good. I mean, I could see him being a president of hockey ops or something, something like that. Um, but again, you know, the entire world, hockey world doesn't revolve on Twitter. Uh, so, uh, I'm not really sure. I would personally like, like to see Tommy get a full year, a crack at this thing. Actually get a crack at this thing. But like Elliot said, what's the skill set they're looking for? Cause, I, cause, I think it's the drafting part. And <clears throat> also... Um, what what about uh, Dr. Amy Kimball, the team mental psychologist? Um, she's the one that does the player evaluations and help them with the day-to-day operations, you know, getting through certain things and helping them be their best. And um, will she stay with the team if there's a new GM? Who knows? That, those, are things, those are a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, just I'm just going to step away one second. <laughs> so anyways, uh, for the listeners, I do think that 70% chance uh, Tommy Fitzgerald does come back. And when the Devils do make their GM selection, they will make a coaching selection. Yeah. And I don't see Elaine Nasruddin as the head coach. I mean – He's what I call a reviver coach. He's revived the team from his uh, predecessor in John Hines. And I feel bad for Nashville fans uh, that they will be stuck with him for I don't know how long. And I do see a bunch of the Devils coaching bench from the NHL level going to uh, the Islanders and the Predators as a couple of spots where they'll go. And I feel bad for Nashville fans. And, you know, I'm not crazy about how he runs, you know, the business. And he could pull a guy that's not a favorite or is a really good player and sit them for no good reason. Well, I mean, look, Kyle, like, with Cal Granlin, when he was in Nashville under Peter LaVillette, couldn't do anything. Now he's – their leading scorer or close to it. I mean, he's on a tear since Hines has come over. And so if you have a coaching candidate that, and, and, and you, you want to hire that person, 
Who are you looking at right now? So many good options out there. I mean, you got free agent in Gerard Gallant. You got Bruce Boudreaux. You got, I don't think Babcock will get a look. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, you could go overseas. It really, again, but again, like, I can tell you who I like, who I think, who I want. It comes down to what what do these owners want to do? What's the general philosophy with this team? Like, I mean, look, I've written about this and I'll probably write about it again. It's like, what is the direction this team is going? Because on one side, if you look at the coin on one side, I keep, I keep, um, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here, but you look at what they did in the NBA. They sat through poor attendance. <coughs> they sat through the process. They, they, the draft and all this stuff. Yet here, it's like they're impatient and they expect similar results. But the, the games are totally different. That it's a science. It, yeah. It's 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 a science. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to just bring in one guy and through the draft, and then all of a sudden your team becomes better. It's it's not. It's a different game. It's a totally different game. It's it, it, everything's done by ice. It's a blend of skill and luck. I'm almost I'm almost curious to wonder if that person that doesn't think Tommy Fitzgerald has the skill set is the same person that that. that had Ray Shiro fired in that analytics department. I think it could be one of the set, the the analytics guys. And this team can't be run on analytics. It it can't. I, it's the way of the world. I understand, but it ruined baseball, and it may. I mean, I don't think it'll ruin hockey, but it has ruined baseball. And you could see why with the whole cheating thing with the Astros. Um, it's about analytics and numbers and this and that. I just I think people are relying too much on numbers and not enough on intangibles. Right. Well, there needs to be a balance on a fine line. Yeah. For instance, I do use like when I write player scouting reports for the podcast or even before the podcast started, I always write notes and I will use terms like not course before, but like high danger, mid danger, low danger. Uh, entry zone, zone entries, defensive zone entries, stuff like that. You know, I'll write those things in a report, but I'm not going to get too technical. But yeah. I do believe that whoever uh, is go- is talking to the ownership, if it's going to be Mike Gillis, you're not going to fire Mike Gillis by the analytics department no. where it's too much of something like. I know Sam Wu talked about it um, when Shearer got fired, that he doesn't know enough or anything about analytics, but, like, at least have a little bit of everyone give a say to the ownership about something. And if it raises a red flag where it's a philosophy thing and you're not on the same page, then how are you expecting things to get done? But I think Gillis could be on there. Because he's balanced with analytics, and I listened to that Craig Cousins episode, and that was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. I I, I think he, 
I think it really was. Sorry, I was just looking at something. Um, just looking at a hit by Dadanoff on uh, Carlo. He looks back and he hits Carlo right in the face with an elbow. Um, but he only got two minutes for it. What a shock in this league. But yeah, I mean, look, yeah, you can't always rely on analytics. It 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 takes a certain kind of oomph to play this game. Analytics can tell you so much, but you can't build your team around it. And Arizona's fi- found out that way, too. They, they can't do it. And I hate to say it, they might not even make the playoffs. I actually I, – I feel like if I put money down on Arizona to lose, it's a good chance of winning that money. But I'm not saying put money out there. I'm just – you know, I'm just saying about me if I was doing that. But I like Vancouver's chances over Arizona's. And Arizona is giving up their own first pick, regardless of where it's going between 431. So you can guarantee a sweet pick. And you know what? I know this sounds far-fetched for going after a goaltender early, but this could be the draft where you can actually do that, where Yaroslav Oskarov is a really good possible player that you use that second pick on. But some people will be like, why did you pick him? I mean, this kid comes out of his crease. He does do a stand-up type stance, but he does a really good job playing the puck, shutting players down. But he's learning to play glove side better. So I know he didn't have a, exactly the best or a good um, under 20, but he's a young kid, you know, 18 years old, who will grow over time and he will be a superstar. Yeah. <coughs> so, but I mean, look, he's going to be drafted as high as, I mean, 11th. Yeah, I would say 11th or 10th. I mean, it'd be the first goal we taken that high <coughs> in price. And I mean, you could do a lot in the first 10 picks easily. And if not him, at least get Jake Sanderson a defenseman. Yeah. I like Sanderson. He does a whole lot for the team, and he does an amazing job for Team USA. And he's a, he's going to, North, I think, North Dakota, if I'm correct. He is. I believe so. I'm not sure, though. Let me double check. Because I know he's committed. Let me double check. But definitely got to have on the draft analyst Steve Corniano sometime. I know I mentioned him on Twitter. So, let's see. This kid is a Montana boy. He's both American and Canadian. So... He's 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 projected to go between ten through twenty five, uh, according to uh, hockey prospect. Uh, let's see, has him going twenty second. Future considerations twenty five overall, eleventh uh, overall by international scouting services. McKean's hockey has him at tenth overall. Uh, EliteProspects.com has them at 12. So, yeah, that t- that Arizona pick has a lot of depth. 
Um, he yeah. is slated to go to North Dakota to be a fighting Sioux or whatever they're called now. I just they're the fighting Sioux. We recognize them as the fighting Sioux. And yeah, of course, uh, he'll be slated for 2021-2022. So yeah, he's gonna be that kind of right shot that you need who plays a physical game and can score. Yeah. And he did play in the USHL uh, for the USNTDP in last year. And he played in 17 games and he got 10 assists and, and two goals. So he he's rounding out his game. Yeah, he is. But uh, yeah, so like that, those first two picks that the Devils have is perfect for the the near term and the future. And that third one could be that Vancouver one could be a acquisition of an acquisition. Yeah. It'll be, you know, the devils have so many picks to work with right now. It's, it makes, it makes up for the second and third picks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's good to have depth in the, uh, to have depth in your organization, depth in the first round. I mean, it's considering it's a deep draft. Um, you know, the one time that they said about a deep draft in 1999 wasn't very deep at all. Like, only four guys made it. And and then and then you look draft. <laughs> and it became super draft. I think I was. I think it's like thirteen or maybe fifteen. Two has got some players taken late that have made it. That was like that have become like pretty decent too. And you got to think about it. Like scouts over the years, along with scouting report driven, like. It's crazy, you know. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see hear what uh what goes down this year with the Devils back at. All right, all right. So we're gonna get ready to wrap it up in a little bit, folks. We got a lot of stuff in from the GM meetings. You know, listening to NHL Network about it. Um, we talked about what the Devils could do for the off season with the RFAs. And we talked about the uh, the cap situation and the some of the player union stuff that you know fans might not completely understand. No, but Jim, let's recap some of the stuff before we wrap it up. All right, so let's recap real quick. So we talked about GM's meetings. We talked about the offside rule. 
how um, GMs decided that we want to change it a little bit. So instead of having your back skate down on the ice, uh, you can now just break the plane. Um, so that'll be good, especially for reviews. Uh, they mentioned the coronavirus down there. Also mentioned about player puck tracking. Um, they've been testing it out all year. Um, salary cap could be between 84 and 88 uh, next season. Uh, mentioned the butcher injury uh, out for the season. Um, we talked about prospects. Prospects. NHL draft. NHL draft. We looked at, you know, like you said, RFAs, who we thought, what the, you know, years and how much money, uh, just based on what the cap would be. Coaching. Uh, coaching changes, who we like, who could the GM be, what philosophy the devil's owners are looking at, considering that some people think that Tom, Tom Fitzgerald doesn't have the skill set be the GM because if he isn't the general manager, he's going to find another home someplace else. Trust me. He's I that think, good and that respected around the league. I think he'll get one within one week. Yeah. Within a few days. Yeah. And <clears throat> I just want to think about what, you know, that extra salary cap will do for other teams that are going to try and buy other players out. You can still find some decent players but you just don't see that often. Um, I like Robin Lander. We talked about him. Yaroslav Halak, we talked about him with Tyler Kelly. Um, these are all really good goaltenders that um, could be playing with Blackwood. Yep. And we saw for good reason why uh, Robin Lander was traded for. And when he's locked in, he is oh. locked in. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, he played against the Devils the other night, had a shutout. I mean, he's unbelievable. And in that system, he'll he'll thrive. I mean, he thri- He was thriving in Chicago, even though they uh, they weren't that they good. Weren't that good, but he was still playing well. And then he played well with the Islanders, so he'll be solid. Uh, he'd be a good choice. Um, but I think if I'm Vegas, I'm trying to lock him up for a long term deal. Um, you know, we looked at you know guys in the system. Obviously, Ty Smith, Kevin Ball, guys like that. Um, you know, Devils are back in action tomorrow against St. Louis. Um, and then they have the Rangers. Right. And, and it was interesting to hear Nazarene's comments that his, his, you know, his forwards aren't really set in stone. There's some, maybe some more changing to go around. It's like, all right, like, what do you want from this team? Like, there's how many games left? Like, just ride what you got, see what you, they can do, and then just go after it because you're not making the playoffs. Um, so, you know, we talked about who maybe could come out of developmental cap. We went over a lot of stuff today in this in this episode. Uh, we're trying to get Dan on maybe this weekend. Hopefully, uh, just we do just some miracle on ice stuff that we wanted to do. But, um, weekend, but we couldn't. But we figured out how to do it because I'm going to use a phone, <coughs> and he'll be on speaker, and it'll just come through this. So yeah, it, and and hopefully I can work out the kinks a little bit more. You know, behind the scenes, right? Uh, that way. Uh, it doesn't keep, you know, stopping the recording process, but it does save the recording. So, um, and you, and you still have that saved like first eight minutes from the other. Episode. Yes, I do. And perfect. That's awesome. So we don't have to all, all we would have to do is just introduce them. And, right. But anyways, uh, for our listeners, uh, for those of you who are abroad in non-North American countries, you know, it's good for you to use 
EliteProspects.com, CapFriendly.com to kind of understand what the numbers and players that we talk about um, because there's so many other links on those sites that are good reference points. Um, But also we talk about the, you know, the news of the day or the news of the month that kind of like affect what the devils do and what other teams in that uh, conference and division do that affect the business dealings. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you want to check us out, obviously check us out on Twitter. Jersey devil OG at Jim Berenger. You check us out, Instagram, Facebook, you know, you can listen to catch up on the show. Miss episodes you miss. Tell us who your fi- what your favorite episodes on um, on Anchor.fm, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you can get your podcast. Um, get- Ovechkin just scored tie game four four in uh, New York right now. As Benajad has a hat trick, and of course, <coughs> for our Devils fans, hockey listeners on on Apple Podcasts, give us a really good rating. If you really like us, uh, I noticed that we're at four and a half stars, um, over That's seven, good. over seven ratings. And for people on Spotify, um, please let us know what you're thinking. And also, um, wherever you are on the podcast front, please, you know, send us what you like, don't like, or critiques and be, uh, you know, I would say give some nice, you know, uh, criticism that would help us improve the show. So um, other than that, I mean, we're getting ready for Easter Passover time, which is uh, the beginning of the playoffs for hockey. So so but- I just want to just so before we wrap up, just wanted to uh, say. Uh, what an honor and a privilege it was being down in the uh, Philadelphia area this weekend uh, with the PWHPA. Um, great interviews with the girls, uh, the ladies. Um, couldn't have been nicer. Uh, the games were great. It was a sellout crowd down in Voorhees at the Flyer Skate Zone just outside of Philly. Um, it was jam-packed to the Raptors. Girls, uh, young girls came out to see their favorite players. They're getting sticks, autographs. Um, you know, they had everything lined up for them. They really did a great job. They're trying to grow the game. Uh, check out Women's Hockey Tribune. I had a couple pieces up there. There is a demand for the product, people. Uh, they just got to figure out a way, and that'll be another episode. I was just we'll going to say about. that. Perfect um, perfect plug. Yes. Um, but I just wanted to throw that in there because um, I admire what they're doing, and they're trying to do it on their own, and I have a ton of respect for them. Um, I hope it does work, um, but I think there just has to be a little bit more planning, but we'll go into it next time when we talk about it. So, but yeah, I just want to throw that plug in there. Yeah. And until next time, thank you. Let's go devils and, uh, visit the, the big heads media page and, uh, yeah, buy some merch. Why don't you? And it's on the BHM hockey part. And if you see the Jersey Joe quarter logo right there, click on it. And there, 
they're going to be adding more stuff over time. So um, right now it's just shirts and sweatshirts. And I wa- I rock the sweatshirt all the time. And it it's unisex. So you could buy it for your girlfriend. You could buy it for your boyfriend, your husband, wife, whatever. Um, you're supporting Jim and I. And um, I pay Jim whenever we get uh, merch. So it's a beautiful thing when – you know, we have so supporters. people buy merch. Buy the merch. So if Do you it. buy the merch, you're you're supporting, you know, in the, these two independent thinkers. Um, right. Although we're part of a network, but still it we we do our own thing. Yes, um, we do. And so we enjoy what we do, providing, you know, this hockey content stuff and uh, spreading the word of the hockey yeah. faithful. Um, until next time, people, let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. Peace. Peace.